Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Central Indiana, how are you? I'm Terry Stacy, and this is the second hour of the first day. We're brought to you by good, good people, Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips, real estate consultants at Crossroads Collective at Compass Realty, CrossroadsCollectiveHomes.com. We're going to be checking in with them here at the bottom of the hour. Again, another website they keep uh, giving us, and it's a good one, HoosierHomeValues2023.com. Denny Smith is here. Good morning, Terry. Hi. How are you? Good. Thanks for sticking around. I see the sunshine, then I see the clouds. Kylan, what are we going to get? Is it going to rain on us today? I certainly hope not for a nice little barn bash that's happening in Connor Prairie. That interview about the barn bash and what's going on with Barnes, uh, Ben's Ranch um, is going to happen later this this afternoon, but hopefully we can stick out the, the beautiful blue skies. I hope so, because they've also been talking about how weather permitting that north split interchange was going to reopen this weekend. And uh, again, weather permitting. And guess who's here? Denny, it's your favorite. Oh, Matthew, your, ba- he was nephew. one of my producers. Yeah. He was the yeah. evening producer. He's a good Matt, guy. Matt Bear's here, everybody. Hello, Matthew. Matt good morning, everybody. The worst producer to ever work in the building. No, ever. the you pride of that. Fulton County. You're the best, man. <laughs> Matt, where are you? Um, I'm on the road, and I just came off the interstate, the second most traveled interchange in Indiana, the North Split, and... When it's fully reopened, it'll once again be the second most traveled interchange in Indiana. So that's what we're waiting on right now. Do you guys want to know where we're at here? Yes, of course. Please, because I thought you were going to say it's open. Yeah, I, I really want to. Um, part of it is, and, and the, the deal has been 70 and 65 closed back in spring of 2021. Uh, so they can completely redo the interchange, rebuild the bridges, and make everything for, safe for everybody. So this thing has been shut down. These particular travel movements have been closed since the spring of 2021. 70 reopened back in January. Yesterday, northbound 65 did reopen. So you can now go from Greenwood to Chicago without exiting downtown. Really cool yeah, it's, uh, I'm really excited about tomorrow morning's commute. Now, if you guys remember, we got some weather last night. This might have delayed the southbound side just a little bit, but they're still working on that here at the moment. Hopefully, we'll have the southbound side back as well for Monday morning rush, tomorrow morning's rush. So that's what we're waiting on. Um, Matt, does that take? Will that take a lot of pressure off of 465? Are you looking for less problems on 465 when it happens? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it has to help at least a little bit. Now, with 465, you still have the clear path project on the northeast side, which is redesigning the 69-465 interchange. That's going to be done in 2025. And then at the south side, you have I-69 construction, which has just made a mess of things down there, and that's going on until the end of 2024. So the problems on 465, even with the north split reopening, are going to – just kind of perpetuate on themselves here. They're not going to end anytime soon. But 
the rerouting traffic that normally goes around 465, the heavy machinery, the semis, the box trucks, are now going to be able to continue on that southbound, northbound 6570 route when everything's done, hopefully by tomorrow morning. I think that's fantastic. But you mentioned that uh, east side 465 construction. I'll tell you what, that is awful. And uh, oh, there was a brutal. yeah, there was a fatality there yesterday afternoon or evening at some point. There was a fatality, and it's just it's people are driving too fast and and trying to make you know by by you know trying to get ahead of everybody else so they don't get stuck in that construction. It's just awful. I just wouldn't drive on that side of town. Yeah, and, and you I'm live on that side of town. No, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Just because I wanted to say this real quick, when I was around the interchange here this morning, um, the, the lines are fresh. There are going to be things you don't see uh, that you're normally used to, new lane markings, and it's a little intimidating. Okay, it's a little intimidating to go through there right mm. now. Um, the barrels uh, it could be configured differently. Some of them. We're not standing at the oh. moment, and I, that, that might have been the storm. That might have been us. I don't know. Please give yourself an extra minute or two tomorrow, regardless of what's open, what's closed, to negotiate these lane markings. They might be new to you. There might be a new movement. Just give yourself some time, a little extra patience, maybe five minutes. You'll have a better time. Okay. Hey, and Matthew, are there, are there any exchanges? How do you know if your exit, for instance, if I'm coming south on 65, I get in, the, in Midtown, I used to be able to get off on Michigan or something, how will I know if my exit's open? Where can I go to find that out? At Matt and Traffic, I will have the information for you. Great. And um, as far as that southbound 65, well, you're talking about going to Michigan Street. That is open. You can do that. Now, the big one we've been waiting on, Ohio Street, that yep. is going to be remain closed and then reopen sometime in May. So there's a series of ramps. I have them on Twitter at Matt and Traffic. You can check it out there. There's a series of ramps that will reopen throughout the month of May. There will be one here, the one there. And they're very important ramps. I can tell you right now. Now, Delaware Street to eastbound 70 has reopened. That was shut down for 10 days, and that has opened over the weekend. So we're good there, at least. Okay. All right. Hey, listen, Matthew, thank you for doing this for us. And congratulations, by the way, uh, WIBC traffic reporter Matt Baer, uh, such a, an integral part of the newsroom, and recently was awarded. What was the award? It was from Spectrum? Yeah, it was a spectrum, um, and thank you for mentioning that, Terry. You know how blessed you are. You get to come in and like and personally and professionally care about everybody you work with. Yeah. You know how amazing that is to arrive at that point in your life. I remember um, the best. Yeah. <laughs> I think these guys have just done an amazing job, and letting me be a part of it is just, it's just one of the coolest things. Matt, I mean, I'm, not allowed, I'm not allowed to say this about another man without accounting to my wife, but I love you, Matt Barrett. <laughs> Yeah, you're the best, man. You're the best. Then you need to follow Matt Bear's fan page. Yeah. Uh, he has fans everywhere. And, Matt, congratulations, because I know that's a big deal, and you're very humble. And uh, we really always appreciate everything you do for us. And I know everybody take it, be listening tomorrow morning, because that's when uh, you'll hear how things are going as the split interchange gradually continues to reopen. We'll see what's new for next time, and you start your day at 6 a.m. Matt, thank you. Thank you for the time, Terry, Kylan, and uh, Danny. I really appreciate it. Thank you much. You're the best. You're the best. Uh, even on his day off. Even on, his, on day his day off. off. It's 11-13. You're listening to The First Day on 93 WIBC. Come on, join in. Everybody sunshine, lollipops and rainbows. Everything 11-18. Good morning to you. It's The First Day Show. I'm Terry Stacy, along with Kylan Talley producing the show. 
Denny Smith is here too. Denny, how long have you been working out at Exercise Inc. with Bo Raley? Uh, March of 2006. Exercise Incorporated, Bo Raley, is one of the finest individuals you, you can know in this city. Did you know he was a minister? A minister. He, and he transferred over from ministry and got into physical fitness, and boy, has he been a success. Beautiful family. Uh, he His degree is actually in kinesiology, which is the study of exercise, and he teaches me a lot. He's constantly reading about studies. We had a conversation last week, and I think this is interesting, guys. It's about the nature pyramid, and here's a bit of that conversation. Last week we talked about nature and how important it is yes, to get outside and the fact that you need to get outside 20 minutes three times a week and just enjoy the nature around you. Do you know there's actually something called the nature pyramid? No. And it's just like the food pyramid, but the nature pyramid deals with different types of nature and how much time you need in each one to be healthy. There are different types of nature and you need need different amounts of time in each type to be healthy. So like the bottom of the pyramid is just the nature that's out your door like the grass in your yard, the trees in your yard, you know, the birds that are flying by. Uh, you know, if you, go, if you leave your office and you walk to a coffee shop and, and you pass by some trees or you have a plant in your office, uh, that's the bottom of the pyramid. And basically it says we need short five to ten minute exposures to this type of nature several times throughout the day. And, you know, one of the studies we talked about showed that something as simple as a plant in your office was shown to increase uh, work productivity by as much as 15%. And that even if you're in a hospital, having a a window view of some trees out the window will reduce uh, the amount of of pain, actually reduce the amount of painkillers that people needed in the hospital when they had a window view of nature. So that's the bottom of the nature pyramid. So the next layer of the nature pyramid is what we talked about last week, okay? It's spending time in city parks, walking trails, spending time in nature that's close to you. And what we found last week is that research at the University of Michigan found that 20 minutes three times a week in that type of nature was shown to dramatically reduce stress hormones. That when you spend time in nature, instead of focusing inward all the time on problems like we do throughout the day, Mm-hmm. As soon as you get in nature, your your brain focuses outward on leaves, trees, squirrels, birds, all the things that are around, and it's just kind of gradually taking everything in, and your brain relaxes. Research has shown, actual brain waves have shown your brain in nature acts exactly like someone who is in deep meditation. Wow. So if you need to be relaxed, that 20 minutes... Uh, in a park down the street from you or on a walking trail in your community can give you the same relaxation benefits as actually meditating. That's the second layer of the pyramid. So the third layer of this nature pyramid has to do with kind of what you would call country nature. Okay, it's a little wilder. It's a little more remote. It's not like city parks. So think of our our Indiana State Parks, okay? So places that are that are semi-wild where you can actually disappear. In this nature pyramid, it's recommended that you spend about five hours a month in nature that's similar to a state park. So the, the government of Finland did a study of, of how much time people need to spend in nature 
to reduce depression and be more mentally healthy. In their first study, they found five hours a week in nature that's remotely wild dramatically reduced their stress. So the takeaway from that is the wilder the nature you spend time in, yeah, the greater the benefit. Yeah. And they actually found that time in that type of nature actually reduced people's blood pressure as well. So it wasn't just psychological benefits. There were also uh, you know, physiological benefits that these people were seeing. The last part of the nature pyramid is really remote wild wilderness. So now we're talking like national parks, places where you can disappear for three days. And so the nature pyramid and this 25-3 rule recommends that to, to be mentally healthy and enjoy the benefits of nature, everybody should take at one, one trip a year where you literally disappear in nature for three days. So like a three-day camping trip and spend time where you're totally disconnected from technology. So, you know, look it up, the nature pyramid, and look up the, the, the 25-3 rule, which basically says we need 20 minutes three times a week, you know, in nature that's around us. We need five hours a month in nature that's like a state park or, or maybe like Eagle Creek Park. And once a year, unplug from everything, go somewhere, put your phone away, put your computer away, and spend three hours just hiking in nature. And, 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 you know, the bottom line is we're created to be in nature. In fact, we, we get so caught up in civilization and in our houses and, and our comfort. We have a fridge. We have central air, all of this that we forget. We are nature. Human beings are part of nature. And we disconnect from that so much that uh, physiologically and emotionally we don't function right because we're not spending time in the environment that we're supposed to be in. 11.24, and that was a conversation with my friend Bo Rayleigh. If you'd like to know more about Exercise Inc., visit exerciseinc.com. Real quick before we get into some more trending stories, but you should go join Kathy Hughes. She's going to be talking with the late Harry Belafonte. They had an interview and talked about just honestly a historic conversation about the history, wisdom, power, and just kind of commitment that Belafonte had as an entertainer and one of the world's leading freedom fighters. And that's premiering tonight at 6 p.m. on TV One. Some he other, was, a, he yeah. was an amazing man. Oh, Harry, amazing. Harry Belafonte, he was on the Muppets one, and they introduced <laughs> him. And he, the, his introduction was so heartfelt. I it mean, was. it was like a combination of a wonderful man and Mr. Rogers and your first grade mm-hmm. teacher. He was such a and good powerful teacher. powerful message. Oh, my powerful gosh. Powerful yeah. messages in just in that particular episode of The Buffets you're talking about, yeah. I remember. Uh, and so many do. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And I love Kathy Hughes' personality, so I, I'm excited to see what that conversation is going to be. Yeah. Kathy Hughes, the founder of Urban Radio, or Radio One. Mm-hmm. Radio One, uh, well, us, an urban one, yeah. right? The whole company within all over the country. And she's amazing. A great empire so far. Uh, Some other training stories. The Mississippi River has now crested in the north to dangerous levels, the highest that they've ever been, and that's going to continue to rise downriver into the Midwest. And that is threatening some communities. Well, it hasn't, as far as I've seen, hasn't really affected any homes specifically, but you do see some people canoeing around trying to just get around it. And that, of course, is from that rapid melting of that giant snowpack in Minnesota. So that mighty Missouri comes down from that upper tidal pace, and it, it says it's coming down, and boy, can it make a mess. And mm-hmm. that's probably going to 
that we're going to have some flooding, Kai. Yeah. We and a little rain, too, this afternoon, maybe, in some areas, but not, not heavy not downpours. Like not like we had yesterday, that heavy storm that moved through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then our final trending story, before we get to Lisa and Greg of Compass Crossroads Collective, Tucker Carlson just bought a home before then being fired. Yes. Apparently, Tucker Carlson is not going to have to chip in on the Fox News $787.5 million Did he buy settlement. a double-wide trailer in Mississippi? <laughs> he, bought, he bought a home right next door to the South Florida home that he bought three years ago for $5.5 million. But one thing that Tucker doesn't have to worry about is money because, and I didn't know this, Denny, he inherited over $90 million from his stepmother's Swanson Food Service, Frozen Food Fortune. Who hasn't had a Swanson TV dinner? I know it. You know, we did this. I didn't know the tie there. I've been so impressed with it. When you're independently wealthy, you can speak your mind a little bit easier than if you are beholden. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Yeah. Don't look at me like that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's, really true. It really is. And uh, they have a a saying for that, but we can't say that on air. But when you are that independent... Then you can get into more political things from a very objective standpoint. And I think that's what's really gotten him in, in such trouble and is why he got fired. He irritated some people who spend a lot of money in advertising on Fox, and uh, they put pressure on Fox, and Fox caved. And that's that's too bad. I'll, I'll miss him. I I'm hope not he worried about back. him, though, now that I know that he's inherited over <laughs> $90 million, million from his stepmother's Swanson frozen food fortune, or that his net worth is over $400 million, Isn't Denny. that amazing? $400 million. I don't know how old he is, but he looks extremely young to me, but everybody I would guess does. him in his early 50s. Oh, well, really? I think so. I, I don't think, think he's that. I think he's in his, I think he's even younger. I could be wrong. Really? Yeah. I think he appears wiser than his years. I could be wrong. I don't know his age, but well, uh, he's worth a whole bunch of money. And uh, the interesting tie with Swanson Frozen Food Fortune. Uh, you're listening to the first day on 93 WIBC. It's 1128. We've got 50 degrees and partly cloudy skies. You know, we were Danny. talking about real estate. I wouldn't want to own real estate near the mighty Mississippi, but we are blessed each and every week to be able to talk to Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips. They're real estate consultants with Crossroads Collective at Compass Real Estate. CrossroadsCollectiveHomes.com. And I tell you what, if you want to know what your house is worth, they've got another one, Terry. It's Who's Your Home Values 2023. And joining us right Right now, we've got Greg and Lisa, and uh, so pleased to have them. Greg, I got a question for you. I've been watching people price houses in the neighborhoods in and around us, and I got to thinking, shouldn't we price a home as high as possible, always? No, not ever, Denny, and and here's why. Number one, the market is the market. We're all 10th grade economic students when it comes to real estate because (laughs) our home is worth what somebody wants to pay for it. If you price it as high as you possibly think you can, A, you will scare people off, B, you will lose some credibility, and C, in the end, you're not going to have a home that sells quickly. So you want to price it realistically with the hope that people see it as a good value and multiple people would become involved theoretically in bidding on your home as soon as it goes on the market. If you overprice, Lisa, if you overprice your home when you first put it on the market, it uh, it can cost you negotiating leverage as a seller, right? Is that what we understand? Correct, correct. I mean, if you sell out of the gate as the seller, you are leveraging the market. Days on market means buyers get more leverage. Okay. Greg, I can remember in the old neighborhood when Jane and I first bought our house, there was this one guy that always sat in front of his garage door on his lawn chair and he says, when I sell my house, I'm going to set the highest asking price I can get. Now, if he does that at the outside of a home coming onto the market, 
um, what message is he sending to all the potential buyers that's out there? Well, he's sending the message that not only is he overly optimistic, he's probably gone to crazy town, Denny, because... <laughs> you described him perfectly, Greg. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you know, you look, this is selling a home, like buying a home, this is a partnership between buyers and sellers. And yes, of course, sellers want to get the most money. Buyers understand the market today, they are willing to pay the most money for the right house. But that doesn't mean that they're going to go off the deep end of, excuse me, cliff, and uh, basically go ahead and, and spend too much. So it has to be a, within a realistic range. You know, you, you really, now more than ever, you need great advocacy, whatever that may be in your world. You need great advocacy to establish the price that's optimistic, but will still encourage as many buyers as possible to get interested and involved in the home sale. Okay. Uh, then, Lisa, let me ask you, but because can an exceptionally high asking price, you get that, you put that high price out there, a buyer agrees to pay it. Can that lead to an appraisal discrepancy? And what happens if that occurs? Yes, it can. And I mean, the unicorn buyers are out there, but you have to be perfect. And if they're a unicorn buyer, they're probably going to take care of the appraisal issue by offering something some, something to the seller to make sure they know that they're willing to commit at that higher price. But in a normal transaction in the state of Indiana, the contract basically allows that if the appraisal does not come in at value, that both sides can renegotiate a price. And obviously, with um, the situation, Buyers can then leverage that down a little bit. I wish I could be a unicorn buyer. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're a unicorn, all right. Yeah. You're a unicorn, Terry. <laughs> all right, so Greg. Now, that's my partner over there. Take it easy. So, Greg, here, here's the thing. When I moved into the neighborhood in our in our house, I always worried about how the, how the neighbors thought about the way I was mowing the grass, trimming the trees. I put up my Christmas lights the first year, and I worried to death about the, what the neighbors were thinking. Shouldn't home sellers worry about what their neighbors think about their asking price? When they put the home no. on the market? No, we don't care because the neighbors are concerned about, you know, their own value, understandably, but the neighbors don't have any idea what the actual market is. And they, of course, want you to price it as high as you possibly can. And then here's what the chatter becomes, Denny. I can't believe they're asking that much for their house. <laughs> you have to ignore the white noise around you. Ignore the white noise from people who are not professionals and do what is right for you in your situation. Do what is right based on the demands of the market. That way you will have the greatest chance of having a success in your real estate transaction. Amen. You know, Lisa, I, I oftentimes see and watch as sellers put these high prices on them and then they decide to lower the prices. And what that really does to me is I think what's wrong with that house? How come it didn't sell at that price or what's wrong with that place? Um, but does that really have any effect on the potential sale? Like, like I'm thinking, am I, am I unusual? Am I a unicorn? <laughs> no, right. I mean, it's the thing of, I mean, here's the thing, Terry, this, around here, we've always kind of priced to negotiate. That's been the mindset. And until recently, like the last 24 months, when you would tell people like, you know, we, we could price a little bit under and get a bidding war and it would go over our, we're going to price it and we're, we're going to have over everyone's price to negotiate. But now that is like, what is wrong with this price? I mean, yes, we can lower and a lot of people are doing this pretty fast. You'll see price drops within seven days at this point because the market is so 
is moving so much that people are like, oh, if we are not getting any activity, no offers, then we are definitely overpriced. But there is the stigma of um, what is wrong with you with days on market. Gosh, okay. in the last six weeks, Terry, I have learned so much from these people. I know. All, they're just the best. Th- we have really all are. these fables Thank that we you. hear about real estate. Yeah. So if you'd like, I tell you what, they have that great home site. If you want to figure out what you think your house is worth, who's your home values, 2023.com. But I'd encourage you to reach out to Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips at Crossroads Collective at Compass Real Estate. You can find them at crossroadscollectivehomes.com. I've got one more question for you, kids. Has Mercedes had her baby yet? No, no, no. We're still holding off. Thankfully, we still have a couple more months, but time we are we are getting closer to baby boy Halbert entering the <laughs> baby entering boy our Halbert. Team. Yeah, Mercedes. A new, member, a new team member coming shortly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mercedes is one of the administrative assistants that that helped Greg and Lisa, and she is just a magnificent person. But she's with child. And we'll have a new baby here pretty soon. Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips, real estate consultants, Crossroads Collective at Compass Real Estate. You can t- get in touch with them today. You're both available today, aren't you? Yes, uh, we are. We're working. <laughs> you are working. 24-7. 24-7. unicorn, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> CrossroadsCollectiveHomes.com or again, visit HoosierHomeValues2023.com. You can find Greg on social media and Lisa too. So look them up. They're here to help you guys. And thank you always for your support, you two. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're listening to The First Day, 93 WIBC. Feeling blessed, never stressed. Got that sunshine on my Sunday bed. Welcome back to the first day on 93 WIBC. I'm Kylan Talley, and uh, today is a very important day. A lot of events are happening in the Indianapolis area, but one in specific is the annual Barn Bash is happening this evening. And who better to talk to about this Barn Bash than the founder and executive director, Rose McVeigh of Ben's Ranch Foundation. Rose, how are we doing today? Well, we are really happy because we've got some blue skies and and sun out there instead of rain for a big event. <laughs> so, yeah. So so far so good. For people who haven't heard of Ben's Ranch Foundation, can you tell us about Ben's Ranch and all the work that you're all doing over there? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I lost my oldest son a few years back after a long battle with bipolar disorder, and the only thing during his 10-year battle with that illness was that really helped him and really gave him kind of a a reset um, and I believe really extended the length and quality of his life was sort of a roll of the dice we did when he was uh, about junior in high school. We took him to a very remote ranch in Wyoming that we knew about that and um, it was not a boy's ranch. It was just a private Mustang ranch. And we went to visit it, and that led to a talk of a summer work uh, period there. And to make a long story short, he ended up living with that family for 18 months in Wyoming and working with wild Mustangs. And it so turned him around with no medication, no doctors, just the peace and the focus on nature and on animals. Mm-hmm. That when we lost him years later to an accidental overdose, it motivated me to, you know, to go back to how blown away we were by the impact of that experience and try to recreate it for other teens. And so long story short, we, we've been working hard to get organized and get going. And we've 
fashioned as our first program a, a paid internship for young adolescents who are diagnosed with manageable types of mental health disorder, depression, anxiety, and so forth. And we arrange and sponsor them into paid part-time jobs on farms and stables and places like Counter Prairie, uh, equine uh, therapy facilities, and any place where we can get them out there getting dirty, working with uh, agriculture and animals. And it just does such an unbelievably good job of brightening their outlook, their self-confidence. And oftentimes with you know, these types of mental health disorders, that kind of boost is all they need to sort of gain, get through it and get to sort of the other side of adolescence. So we're doing that, and now we're starting to talk to schools about how we can help them uh, deal with this just epidemic um, disaster of mental health among our youth. But anyway, that's a long answer to a short question. And, and Ben's Ranch Foundation is named after my late son. And we're talking about the fact that our schools are often the kind of the front lines of this battle. And they're a good place for us to pick up and start recognizing problems at an early age. And so we're working with them to see if we can integrate some of our concepts into their programming, giving them a new tool to help keep these kids in school and boost their outlook um, at a very tough time for any adolescent. Uh, so that's what we're doing. And um, again, bringing that whole idea that the power of nature and animal interaction is so important and it's accessible to us if we look for it in all of our communities at a park, at a farm, you know, at a urban garden. We can get these kids out there get them out of their head, get them out of their basement, get them out of their phone, and it does quite a bit of good. So that's what Ben's Ranch is all about. And uh, today we're celebrating that with our annual barn bash. Talking with Bros McVeigh, the founder and executive director of Ben's Ranch. And as he mentioned, at Connor Prairie this evening, we are having the annual barn bash. Can you talk a little bit more about what's going to be happening for today's events? Yeah, we love this event because, you know, it really, Connor Prairie, as a backdrop and location and a partner of ours, um, really symbolizes our whole philosophy, which is that getting outside, getting you know some physical labor, getting out in the sunshine and around uh, growing things and caring for things like animals is, is, is the heart of our philosophy. And so we get together instead of some stuffy banquet hall at a hotel, we have a big outdoor deal with roping stations, axe throwing, you know, all kinds of games for families and live music with some of the young students here in the area. Uh, and then we'll do that panel discussion and a big meal and, and some other fun like our silent auction. And I'll tell you one thing your listeners can do to help today is they can jump on our silent auction, which will end at 5:30 today and, and lend a hand by taking a look at all the unbelievably thoughtful gifts that have been entered into that silent auction. You can find that uh, on our website and um, that link. It's online and everybody can play regardless of where they live and, and maybe help us out. What would you say is your favorite part of the annual Barn Bash? 
Well, I tell you what, I love to see people out doing something new and fun. And so we get families out there. We've got a family from the west side of Indiana who happened to be into roping. So they're going to come today and set up a number of stations and teach us all how to rope. I'm an old cowhand, so I, I throw a rope a few times, but most people never have had a chance. And it's a lot of fun. We do axe throwing and um, a number of other games, and we have live music. We're going to feature some students and young people uh, playing for us today from the Carmel Music Academy. And um, so all those festivities to me are a lot of fun compared with, you know, the more traditional annual banquet, which is uh, a lot of uh, speeches and, uh, and you know, more closed-in buildings. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're able to be outside. What are some other ways that our listeners can also help you guys out just in general with Ben's Ranch? Well, that's a great question. We we need volunteers. We need desperately more farms and stables to sign up to help us. Um, you know, we, we screen our applicants, our kiddos. Uh, we try very hard to make sure they're a good fit to work out there in that environment. But, you know, everybody knows that all industries, including agriculture and, and the horse industry, need help. And we help pay for their wages. Uh, we need those hosts, we call them. We certainly need volunteers and donors. Um, we want to continue to grow and diversify our advisory group and our board. So there's a million ways people can help. Good idea, referrals of kiddos who need help um, are all examples, and they can do that on our contact page and in other places on our website at binsranch.org. We're talking with Rose McVeigh, the founder and executive director of Ben's Ranch Foundation. And I'm so happy that we had you on today to talk not only about this annual barn bash happening this evening, but then also to talk about what you're doing with Ben's Ranch and just spread the message about everything that you've learned and you've overcome yourself. Thank you for joining us. Is there anything else that you would like to mention before we let you go? Just a big old invitation to visit our site and read about us and think about how, you know, we might help someone you know or you can help us. It's bensranch.org, and we really appreciate this opportunity to share our story with you today. It's such a pleasure having you. And again, you can donate, volunteer, participate in that silent auction. That's all at bensranch.org. Some other events happening in the Indianapolis area. It's the last day for the Middle Ground Comedy Fest. That starts at 4 p.m. this evening. That's over at the Black Circle Brewing Music Bar on 46th Street. That's 30-plus comics around the country coming here That's a lot to Indianapolis. Is that cool. comics per square foot? <laughs> it's pretty cool. It really is a big Oh, and then Hamilton. It's in Indianapolis until oh, yeah. May 7th. and. I was looking at all the tickets and seats left, and there got? are not many left. It, or high, very high prices on them. Very, um, most of them are taken in the center, so a lot of them are um, on your right and left sides, and so those are going to be a little bit, mm, well, cheaper tickets. At Old National? Yep, at, at, at Old National, but there aren't many tickets left, so if you're wanting to see that while it's in Indianapolis, you better get your well, tickets I'm quick. there's even one left, so that's good to know. Mm-hmm. All right, good deal. Coming up, we've got a little food news for food you, too. News. And uh, and Denny Smith will sing something patriotic when we return to the first What's day the of 93 WIBC.
with no vivid reason here to find. What a beautiful voice. Is this from a Disney movie? <gasps> you know what? That's a great idea. I'm going to pass Isn't that it? on to him. He should. <laughs> he should totally be a Disney prince. What you hear right now is Ray Uriel. He was a UND. Ray Uriel. Oh, pretty name. Yeah, super. Great oh, voice. Oh, the voice. Yes. Yeah. Just and he partici- made the cut. He did. He, he did. knocked it out of the park. So this was from his knockout round. And Chance the Rapper, he just could not keep praising how well he was wow. dealing with the different genres of music. Yeah. What a He's going to do great. What a he beautiful voice. graduated from the University of Indianapolis. Go Greyhounds. Just I'm want to say for this young man. That's good great. job, Ray. Thank you for reminding us that he's there and how well he's doing in the competition. A lot of great things happen in Indiana, in Indianapolis and our people. Yeah. Decorator Showhouse, St. Margaret oh Guild's Oh my gosh, Decorator we got to be Showhouse. there yesterday. This is day number two. It's the Faley House, 57 East 57th Street. You got to get out there. It's $35 at the door. You can buy $30 tickets online, but if you're trying to help them, all the proceeds go to Eskenazi. The mental health side of Eskenazi and just right, wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, they're, the Mondays is the only day that they're closed. So Tuesdays through Fridays, it's 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Saturdays, 10 to 7.30. And it's a, what a great thing. Take your mom, take your daughter-in-law, take your mother-in-law. You know, it's just, it, it, I'm not saying it's a girl thing. There's a lot of guys going. There are. But it's a nice, you know, bonding experience for, for generations of women. Absolutely. I, and, the, and I like that you said that, generations of women. You know, they're trying to... Um, the to invite even younger people to be a part, younger women to be a part of St. Margaret Guild, St. Margaret's Guild. And um, we saw lots of young faces that are, are interested and excited about the show home. So goes through Mother's Day, as you mentioned. Right. Don't forget they've got beautiful plants and flowers that are for sale in the market area, lots of local. Uh, it's pretty awesome event. We hope that you Showhouseindy.org. Yeah. Showhouseindy.org. I think you'll like the house. Me it's too. pretty cool. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, 11.54 now. Kylan? Time for food news. This woman's stomach, it must be amazing. You, you're always. <laughs> I get it from Terry. You get so it from tiny. Terry. She's tiny and she loves food news. Do First it. day food news. This Friday, May 5th, is National Hoagie Day. 10% of proceeds from Hoagies and Hops, up by Butler, will be going to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Go and spend some time. Great hoagies. Good food. Delicious. Very authentic. Lincoln Square Pancake House just announced they'll be opening two more Indiana locations this summer. That's awesome. They're doing great. And then uh, not so great news. Uh Uh, Gold medal flower products have been recalled. Due to oh, some salmonella flour? concerns, yes. How so can you screw up and flour? How can you screw up yeah, flour? Yeah, you wouldn't think so. There's just a potential presence of salmonella infantis, which was discovered just during sampling. So not necessarily that you will have it, but if you want to bring your product for recall and get refunded and all that stuff, then you can. They did mention in that announcement that this strain of salmonella can be killed with heat by baking or frying. So oh, a lot of people do that. Just avoid consuming the raw flour products products, of course. Some people that I know, even uh, they'll pour out a brand new bag of flour, even before this news. On a cookie sheet. On a cookie sheet, put it in the Mm -hmm. oven. I have seen people And let it bake because they say there's, it does kill, which, you know, there's probably, Mm -hmm. might be an ant or something in there. I don't know. And then finally, happy National Raisin Day. A little bit of California Raisin Raisin Day. Potato, Mr. Potato Head Day. (laughs) Bunny Day. There you go. (laughs) Hey, listen, you guys. Hey, Denny, thank you. Denny Smith, Kyla Talley, great job.
Jason, you did a great job, too. I tried. <laughs> Jason Dozer's in the house. We're glad you visited with us today here on the first day. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, enjoy today. It's a beautiful day.